Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at DirectTV.com. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to Port of Six with A&B, your High State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. Ari, it's game week, and I hear you're not in shape for the game. I hear I hear you could be on the injured list. Uh, it's uh, We're recording this Tuesday, uh, August 31st, two days before Ohio State kicks off their season, and I've been so far down into the... Uh, the rabbit hole of things that don't have anything to do with football that I'm like happy to reemerge. Um, I can't the even Bishop remember Sycamore the Bishop hole. Sycamore rabbit hole. <laughs> I talked to everybody uh, about, I talked to the coaches. I spent 24 hours reporting that and I still don't know what the hell's going on out there. <laughs> um, but no, I'm on the injured list. Cause like this week has been an interesting week for me. I tripped. I don't know if anybody's ever been to a spinning class, but the spin class that I go to, uh, is just like a cycling class, but it's in the pitch dark. And the cleats that I got, uh, I had clipped in and everything was going well. And as I was spinning, my cleat discharged from the thing, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's not where I twisted my ankle. 
But anybody who's ever met me knows that I've got a very short fuse. So I dropped an explicit uh, explicit word that was louder than the music in the spin class, unclipped the other toe, and like stormed out of the room to get shoes that were functional so I could finish the class. And anybody who's ever been in a spin class knows it's three rows, right? Like there's the, the bottom row, the second row, and the third row where the, the bikes are. I was on the third row. So I'm like huffing and puffing, knocking stuff over. Like I'm just angry. Like why does my life suck so bad? And then... On the last row, I hit my ankle on the ledge because it was pitch black in the room, tripped, hit my head on the front of a bike um, that somebody was using to spin and like almost snapped my ankle in half. So I haven't been able to walk for the last two days and we were concerned that it was broken, but it's improving. So, you know, considering the fact that my fiance is giving birth in three weeks, it's going to be really, really interesting to see if I can walk by then. Um and then the Bishop, the Bishop Sycamore psychopath stuff happened. And uh, my mother-in-law's car got broken into. Like, there's just a lot going on in my wow. life right now. Wow. And it's just like, I just want to sit down, maybe get a pie in and watch this Ohio State game. So like, let's talk about Bemidji. Let's talk about college football. And, and please, let's just not talk about imaginary high school football programs and what's going on there. <laughs> Listen, guys, I don't know what's going on there. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. I will say... Uh, the story that you and Andy wrote, I thought was excellent. I thought it was well reported and entertaining at the same time. It was actually kind of funny uh, the way you guys kind of kind of spun it. Um, so I enjoyed reading it. And if you want to read it, go to theathletic.com slash four six, where you can currently sign up and get fifty percent off an annual subscription if you're a new subscriber. That's so half, half off where off, I come from. Half off a subscription. You can go read Ari's story, Ari and Andy's story about Bishop Sycamore, all of our college football coverage, all of our NFL coverage as, as both those leagues ramp up. And as Ari said. Ohio State is playing on Thursday night. Ohio State at Minnesota, 8 p.m. on Fox. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, and them boys on the call. And them boys. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I think Ohio State will be okay, even though even though Ari is uh, is injured and, and will be playing injured on Thursday night as he eats his pizza and watches his football. But I think the Buckeyes will be all right. Uh, we're, we will be give our picks for that game uh, later in this episode. We wanted to do some different kind of picking before then, uh, make some Big Ten picks, make some national picks. But I think to, to set the stage for that, Ari, you wanted to t- discuss something else first, and that is the new uh, 247 Sports Talent Composite Rankings, which I think do a pretty good job of kind of contextualizing where Ohio State is nationally from a talent standpoint. Yeah, I um, had a pretty rough few days, but this made it all light. This is my Christmas day. Uh, the 247 Sport Composite Team Talent Rankings where you can get the transfers and the rosters and actually, um, you know, have a pretty good idea of where people stack up uh, going into the year. So before we started rattling off predictions and how we think Ohio State's going to do, I've looked at the team talent composite rankings. You haven't. I thought it would be a fun game, now that they're complete, for you to try to go down the list and and, and tell me where you think of Ohio State, where they might stack up in your mind based on, you know, the recruiting knowledge that you have and, then maybe compare some of the teams in the Big Ten and, and you know, really kind of put that into perspective first. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah let's do it. So you said these these were up, these were recently updated because they were initially initially released wrong? So on Saturday, they finally were posted. But I, if you remember, I think I even texted you. I just said, why is Ohio State only getting credit for oh, 73 right. scholarships? Because it looked like all the players weren't in there. Now everybody's got 85 for the most part. So it looks like it's finally there. The rankings are, are changed a little bit. Um, but I just thought I'd give you uh, the floor here and then see if you can, uh, you know, do the Big Ten East first. Rank the Big Ten East uh, by talent composite. 
which I'm sure you could just do off the top of your head. But yeah. So Ohio State. Why don't you start with that, Ohio State nationally? Like, where do you think Ohio State is? Um, third. That's correct. Behind is Georgia one and Alabama two. Flip those. Alabama still one. So yeah, it's interesting. Cause I thought. Well, I guess that's not the case. Like uh, Georgia had like those couple years in a row where they were like number one and then like almost number one. But I guess. Yeah, I guess that makes sense if Alabama's still ahead of them. Alabama lost a ton of talent from last year, but it's The not reason really why you're confused is a very interesting thing. Georgia has 19 five-star prospects on their roster, mm. which I think is a record. Um, I know Alabama, the team in 2017 that won the national title, had 18. Georgia has 19. So you would think that a, a team that's a quarter of their roster's five-star prospects would be the most <laughs> talented team in the country. But Alabama has 14 five-star prospects, but 14 more four-star prospects as well. So, like, they have taken the fact that they've got five less five-star prospects on their roster and have made up for it with more blue-chip players across the board. So that's how Alabama got there. But Ohio State is second in the country with five-star prospects with 15. That's one more than Alabama. And 51 four-star prospects as opposed to Georgia's 47 and Alabama's 61. So I I think that right now it's clear that Georgia has the most top-end talent, and that's going to definitely come into play uh, when I start making my picks for the national stuff. But it does seem kind of interesting that it's in this position. So I'm not going to have you guess the entire way down, but Clemson's four, uh, LSU is five, uh, Oklahoma six, Florida seven, A and M is eight, Oregon is nine, USC is ten, Texas is eleven, Notre Dame is twelve, Miami's thirteen, Auburn's fourteen, and Michigan is all the way down at fifteen as the second best Big Ten team from a talent standpoint. You know what? I will, that I think I would have guessed Michigan was lower than that nationally. I think I would have. I, I, what, not to say that I think they should be there, but just based off how they recruited, I would have assumed that Michigan was like in the twenties somewhere. The thing about Michigan is they've got three five-star prospects on their roster, which I think kind of buoys them a little bit. And one of them is a the quarterback who's not playing this year. Yes, so you won't really get a chance. Well, I don't know why he's not playing, but we'll just talk about that another time. Um, Penn State checked in at sixteen. Okay. And Wisconsin is the the fourth highest rated Big Ten team, and they're number twenty one. So there's only three Big Ten teams in the entire top 20, which I think is a pretty interesting look into where the Big Ten stands from a depth standpoint. It's like some of the teams that we make fun of, like Tennessee's number 19. Like That's a very easy target to make fun of. They're more talented than Wisconsin, the trendy Big Ten West pick. You know, Washington, who can't recruit itself out of a paper bag right now, is number 18. So, like, we're not even – like, Michigan is supposedly the underdog in the Washington – Michigan matchup coming up in a few weeks and Michigan's got more talent on their roster from a nuts and bolts standpoint. So I think that this is a very good guide. I think in the past, a very fair criticism of my coverage would be that I'm too reliant on this. Um, I think sometimes I buy into it a little bit too much, but I think that this list here, these rankings is the manifestation of all the work that these coaches have done to put these rosters together. And this is more important to me than the rankings that you see on the coaches poll or whatever you're Mm -hmm. you're saying. So that said, I think we can start to go into the pick stuff and then we can kind of reference back, you know, these lists to see where we, uh, you know, might've missed the mark or whatever. So go ahead and now host now. Okay. No, that's good. That's a good, that's a good, uh, Jumping off point, I think, and I, I, I knew it's it is hard 
I think using those composite rankings like as gospel is pretty sound logic. It's a, it's obviously a little difficult to contextualize because, like you know, case in point, JJ McCarthy counts as one of Michigan's five stars, and he's not going to play this year. And like Ohio State has fifteen five stars, like Donovan Jackson and I don't know. Kyle McCord probably aren't going to play this year or, or have tangible impact on the outcomes of games this year. So, like, it's hard to sift through all of that, but it still matters. Like, the, I mean, the same way that, the most that, talent that Alabama and Georgia have five-star quarterbacks on their yeah, roster, yeah, too. Yeah. So, you know, right. I think it's all, it's all about top to bottom. But, like, the thing that I think might be worth navigating is Ohio State's receiver room. And I know we've touched on this in the past, but if Ohio State has nine scholarship receivers and they're all top 100 players – and it's the Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson show. That is a very interesting take. That's almost that's all more than ten percent of their entire roster and unusable players. And that doesn't count reserve offensive linemen and reserve quarterbacks. So, sure. like, yep. I'm very interested to see how Ohio State's talent distribution will match up with how good their football team is this year. Because there does seem to be a, a lopsided number of really truly elite rated prospects that aren't going to be much of a factor this year. Yeah, but and I but I also think that's where like looking at the four, the four stars really becomes important too. And, and like obviously, with the the more five stars you get, the more sort of um, transcendent talent you add to your roster. Like those are those are the the chips that you stack up when you're trying to win a national title. So I'm not trying to say they're not important, but when you when you contextualize it the way you just did, and like it's so like okay, like not all these five stars are playing right now. And then you look and see like okay, Ohio State has the second most four star prospects in the country. So it's like the decent chance the guys who are playing are still ranked very very highly. <laughs> so. Um, the fact that Ohio State has even more four-star prospects than than Georgia, I like that surprised me a little bit. I thought I thought Ohio State would rank third in four-star prospects as well, and they don't. Well, they have more five four-star prospects than Georgia because Georgia has the same amount more in five stars. Like they yeah. have the same total amount of four and five-star prospects and the same total amount of three stars in their roster, which is nineteen. So I think that Ohio State and Georgia are built very similarly, and that that includes Quinn Ewers. I would say that Georgia is probably at you know, they have more top-end, elite-level high school recruiting talent, but probably built very similarly. Now, the thing that I think is bonkers is that Alabama only has 10 three-stars in their roster. So 75 <laughs> out of the 85 players in Alabama's roster are blue-chip prospects, which is absolutely uh, insane. Um, that's pretty insane. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where a team has, like, five. Like, I don't know how low you can go on that one, on the limbo. And here's the thing, also, just because they're ten, the 10 three-star prospects, some of them might be first-rounders still. Because three-star yeah. prospects can get good, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's just insane. So the average player rankings that we use, Bill, when we're discussing recruiting rankings also is here in the talent composite. And Ohio State's um, average player on its roster is 93.09, which I think is roughly a top 100 player on average. Yeah. So that is a pretty uh, – maybe a top 150 player. Uh, that, that's a pretty, pretty insane uh, – accomplishment they have as a team and as we start to discuss the Big Ten and whether or not there's a year uh, right now where Ohio State would be quote-unquote susceptible to not winning the Big Ten it's like a very rudimentary view of this whole thing would be Ohio State has some issues in the secondary they have a new quarterback there's a lot of holes to place replace from a team that uh, made it to the national championship game this year they're vulnerable but it's like if you actually look at what this team is they're not vulnerable at all. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What is what is the average player rating for Georgia and Alabama? Georgia is 93.49, so that's 0.4 higher than Ohio State. And Alabama is 94.34. Wow, almost a full point higher than Georgia. Yes. Oh, I mean, I just like think it's because they have 11 more or 10 more blue chip prospects in their roster than Georgia and Ohio State. Which is significant. I think Alabama is significantly more talented than, than Georgia and Ohio State, which makes me really, really worry about my prediction of what we're going to get to because I've already been on record with my national project, projections. I'm not sure if they've, they've ran on the athletic already, and now I'm starting to be like, oh, boy. Because like, <laughs> like, in my mind, Georgia was supposed to be the most talented team in college football this year, and they're just not. They're not, right. Yeah, I don't know uh... – I don't think my national picks are on the record anywhere, and if they are, and what I say here on this podcast runs uh, contradictory to that, oh well, I don't care. <laughs> so yeah. if you want to change your mind, if I'll, I'll give you the right to change your mind on this podcast if you feel like you want to change your mind. Okay, I'm just trying to figure out, because like, if Alabama's, um, Alabama's average player on their roster is a 94.34 in terms of the score that they got or the rating they got, the um, – Number 111th overall player in the country, who I just randomly clicked on, was 95-something. So we're talking about, on average, their roster is comprised of a top 150 national player. Yeah. Which is bonkers. Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. It's banana land is what that is. Good good for them. Nick Saban, still good. Who knew? All right, let's start off with uh, with Big Ten picks. You don't want to talk about Nick Saban's greatness for the next 45 minutes? I mean, we could, yeah. Um, (laughs) Big Ten picks are fairly straightforward, I think. Well, at least the East is, right? You're not picking anybody other than Ohio State to win the East, are you? Ohio State or Indiana. So that's the one thing I am curious about. Uh, It's kind of like, what do you make of Penn State and Indiana and their, like, ability to – I don't know, make Ohio State sweat even the slightest bit in, in the race to get to the Big Ten championship game? Every single year when Ohio State plays Penn State, I just assume that Ohio State's going to smash them because the way that the rosters are built up are just – it's not even comparable. And if that is – not taking anything away from Penn State, I think they're the second best or third best most equipped team from a talent standpoint in the entire conference. But it's lopsided. And then Penn State comes out and gives Ohio State a game every year. It's like last year, I think Ohio State should have kicked the crap out of them. And I don't know if it was that weird field goal that they hit before halftime or what it was, but Penn State just has this funny way of hanging with Ohio State every year. And, you know, they had a very poor 2021 recruiting cycle, and COVID was a weird year. Um, Sean Clifford is still in place. I mean, they have a really good receiver in Dotson. Like, they, they seem to have some pieces there. Um but on paper, to me, it doesn't seem like it should be a close game, but it always seems to be. And, like, that's an interesting thing to kind of dive into. 
And this isn't like a, a unique thing for Ohio State and Penn State. It's like, why does Purdue always seem to give Ohio State a problem? Why do certain teams always – because it's not supposed to be a problem. And the fact that it's home this year too, it's just like, no, I, I don't necessarily think that. I think that Michigan is probably more of a circle-your-calendar game than Indiana. And I know that Indiana was – I know you and I have debated whether or not Ohio State almost lost to Indiana last year. But in my viewpoint, Ohio State beat the crap out of them and then stopped playing. Like I, yeah, I don't, the final the final margin was close. Yes, the score. Close. In my opinion, yeah, the but, score wasn't an indication of what happened there. I right. think if you watch the game, there was never ever an instance where you thought Ohio State was going to lose. So, if we're trying to come up with a reason or, or um, a team that's going to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten, I don't see it there this year. And I don't think that any of the teams that are in the Big Ten East are particularly as good as they've been in the past. So I'm not, that doesn't mean they're not going to play a close game or Penn State won't play them tough um, or Michigan won't jump out of nowhere and actually play them tough. Who knows? Like, this is college football. Stuff happens. But, like, there's nothing on paper that I see that makes me say, you know what, I'm going to put my signature down on this and I'm going to predict that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you as well. Um, and that goes – I think that goes for the whole conference too. Like, I, I, I do think Wisconsin is going to be good this year and bounce back. Um, especially from what they were last year. Like, I think they're a double-digit win team, easy. And I, th- I think we said as much when we did the over-under win totals for the Big Ten a couple weeks ago. Um, although they do have a tough schedule. They play Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan in the first four weeks, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I, I do find it interesting, and I think there's there's an opportunity for both of us maybe to feel a little differently about this a week from now. Because the Big Ten, I'm not entirely sure why they did it this way, but I'm, I'm kind of happy they did. Like, the four best non-Ohio State teams in the Big Ten are all playing each other. <laughs> in the first week Penn State plays at Wisconsin at noon and Indiana plays at Iowa at 330 like if you were to just do straight Big Ten power rankings one through 14 like those are teams two through five in some kind of order behind Ohio State so I I don't know it's it's kind of hard I think to pick every team or most teams in this league because of how odd last year was but I think there's reason to like all four of these teams as, as like surprises or bounce backs whatever you want to label them and I think we could get some pretty valuable information on all four of them in like three days. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know. Like, if you went down and talked about these teams, I was like, what would have to happen for each one? Like, Sean Clifford has to turn into a Heisman winner. Yeah, like right. what? What? And actually, well, the thing, yeah. The, the thing that is like, yeah, you're right. You're right. That, and, and that's what makes me stop short of even like coming close to like, oh, Ohio State better watch out this year. Like, I just don't. I just don't think that's real. Um, but like Wisconsin might have an NFL quarterback in Graham Mertz. I don't know. They don't have like the speed to keep up with Ohio State at any other position on the field. But an NFL caliber quarterback is a pretty good equalizer if that's what Graham Mertz is. I don't think any of these other teams have it. Sean Clifford's not it. Michael Penix. People will try to tell you who he is, but I don't think he is. Um, Spencer Peters is certainly not. He was bad last. So you didn't year. like my Michael um, Penix, uh, my Michael Penix uh, pick in the dynasty draft. I did not. <laughs> I thought that was a questionable pick. I just, uh, I just like thought it'd be fun. I don't know. I maybe he won't be a quarterback at the next level. I mean, he's a very athletic guy. Player. I mean, he's got a big, he's a big dude, strong arm. I don't know. He's like a fifty-five career, fifty-five percent career passer, and, and hasn't been able to finish the season. You're the biggest uh, Michael Penix guy I've ever met. Don't ba- don't backstab no, me now. No, listen, listen. I like I. I like what Tom Allen is doing at Indiana. Like, I think he has made Indiana a respectable program. I think he's just about maxed out what Indiana can be, um, which is to say, like, they can win eight games. I think right, the way they're constituted right now, I think they can win like eight, nine games. In I was listening game. to a gambling podcast this week, and the play of the year was hammer the under their win total. 
the under. Which one is high, right? Isn't it like nine? It's seven and a half, I think. Higher in the under on seven and yeah. a half? That's interesting. Well, uh, but I think that speaks to, too, like not being able to quite figure out what's real and what's not coming off last year. Because Indiana had a very good year last year. Um, but, like, we also saw Ohio State like, kick the shit out of a very similarly built Indiana team <laughs> two years ago in Bloomington. So, like, I'm not going to pretend like last year's Ohio State-Indiana game was some harbinger of things to come. Uh, I just think it was, like, a weird day where, like you said, Ohio State just kind of stopped playing in the second half. But I do think Tom Allen's taking that program forward. Um, I, I found the seven and a half to be a hard number. I think I did land under, like, oh, like around seven wins with them. But I also think that he's got them positioned in a place where like eight and eight wins. I'll say eight wins, like an eight and four season for Indiana. I think is like achievable moving forward because of what he's been able to do there. Yeah, I think that's which fair. is like way better than they were when Kevin Wilson was there. Yeah, yeah. The thing that is continually apparent is that there are teams like Indiana, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska was supposed to be in that mix. They're clearly not. Whew. That when you get to the bottom of what they are, they're really good teams. But the problem is, is they have the unfortunate reality of having to play one of the three best, most sturdy built teams in the country. So it's like if you put any of those other teams in the Pac-12, it's like they might make the playoff. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, well, Wisconsin might be better. They've got an NFL quarterback, and they I don't know if they can catch up with speed, but they might give Ohio State a game. Okay, they might be winning by three at halftime, and they get their doors blown off. There's Which only... has happened. Like, we've seen that happen a couple and times. There's... It's like, uh-oh, it's halftime. What's going to happen? It's like, oh, Ohio State won by four. And, like, last time Ohio State was losing to Wisconsin at halftime, I legitimately thought Ohio State was going to lose. I remember, yeah. So, I, like, so I'm not going to act like, oh, but I think there's a certain athletic ceiling that these teams have. At least at the skill position players, or especially at the skill position players, which I think is what Notre Dame suffers from mm-hmm. uh, at the highest level. And honestly, if we're being if we're being real with each other, I think Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame are all built very similarly. And it's like Notre Dame has the cachet of being a national brand and has a team that's made the playoff a few times because they haven't had to play Ohio State in the regular season to win their conference. So, like, I do think, like, if you go, like, let's go look at the, the composite rankings right now. Um, I bet you that Notre Dame is nowhere – it might be a few spots higher, but nowhere um, that much uh, – you know what I'm saying. Not that, that yeah, much different not, not than that, that, that galaxy. Much, yeah, yeah, Notre Dame is 12, Michigan's 15, and Penn State's 16. So, like, what, what are we talking about here? And if you, like, look at Notre Dame's five-star prospects, Michigan has two more than them. So, you know, it's just – I had this discussion on the Stars Matter podcast, which I'm supposed to promote. I started, oh, yeah. yeah. Listen I, to Stars Matter. I started a podcast that Bill has been a big proponent of, and I appreciate with uh, my editor, Mitch Light. Who, and we'll have Bill on that show because I just can't get enough of the guy. <laughs> but it's about circumstance. So, like, as you're trying to talk about teams that have a chance to crash the national party, it's like Texas A&M is built better than Oregon right now. And Texas A&M is probably built... Uh, better than Texas right now, but their circumstance of signing a top eight class and having like the fifth best class in their own conference is much different than it would be if they were in the Pac-12. So like as you start to parse through these things, it's like Penn State has done a pretty good job of building a solid roster. James Franklin, uh, who I got into an argument with and with the on Stars Matter with Mitch about how James Franklin would like turn USC into a national championship team, it's like okay, they can't even beat their own, you know, rival in their own division. And, like, you know what? It's actually remarkable that they've even done it one time. So, 
I don't know. Like, these teams are fine, but Ohio State is just one of three or four teams that's built at a level where just, like, we're getting to a point where it's so lopsided that I don't even know why they're playing the games. <laughs> like, and it's like, people are like, well, that's why you play the game. And it's like, Ohio State hasn't lost a game outside of the playoffs since 2019. Or 20, 2018, right? 2018. Ryan, yeah. Day. Ryan Day is 15-0 and in the Big Ten, yeah. Ohio, the last time Ohio State lost a regular season game, I was single. <laughs> and now I'm at home, a homeowner, eh, fiance, yeah. and have a baby on the way in three weeks. That's so like <laughs> it's, it's it's becoming more and more lopsided every year. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. And there's nothing there's nothing like on the horizon that makes you think like it's going to reverse course, um, short of like something catastrophic, like sanctions wise happening at Ohio State. I think that's really truly the only thing that could that could slow down. Uh, the way this has been trending. It's like now there's no such thing as sanctions. No one cares. Right. You can't even get right. sanctions. Right. It's like the yeah, one thing. NCAA is getting J.R. Smith ready to play play golf. They can't, uh, they can't be given any <laughs> the, sanctions. The one thing that w- when we wrote the indestructible uh, series at Cleveland.com about how Ohio State's on sturdy ground, the one thing that could shake up everything and change anything was NCAA violations. And it sounds like you literally can't violate anything because there's nothing to violate. Like what is it now? I know there's stupid yeah. rules about, like, I it's mean. like practice rules, yeah. Yeah, and even then, no one gives a shit. So, like, what? Quinn, like, Quinn, Ewers, Quinn Ewers just signed a million-dollar autograph deal and, like, was given a truck by a local car dealership who employs an Ohio State writer who got, an like, an exclusive interview with him. So, it's like, this thing this thing is out of the barn and we're not putting it back, not putting yeah. It back in. Yeah, I was actually talking to Andy Staples about this uh, when he was over at my house on Saturday, and he said, I was like, how is this a good investment? Because I was, like, bitching you about it. I was like, how yeah. is handing over Quinn Ewers an $85,000 truck a good investment for this this thing? And he said, okay, Ari, I don't know if you know about this truck or car shortage right now. But go to CarMax or go to a used dealership and type in used 2019 F-150 with 30,000 miles on it and see how much they cost. And they're, like, still sixty eight grand. And he goes, they're letting these kids drive them around for a year. They're in practice so often they don't drive them at all. They have like 10,000 miles on them when they return it 18 months from then. And then they sell the car for $6,000 less than they they were worth. And then it was basically like a $6,000 you know marketing deal, which is like one one-hundredth of how much it costs to have a television spot. So like I get it now. Like it doesn't make mu- – it doesn't really make much sense to me what doing that is. But like – Scott Frost literally just had fake practice sessions during COVID when we're supposed to be worried about a national emergency in people's health and the guys like coaching like nothing happened. So it's yeah. just like what are, like what are we doing here? No, I mean because he, he's going to get fired because they suck, not because he completely disregarded the human safety of his entire team oh, yeah, and everybody yeah, yeah. else. If, like if you would Nebraska was good, that would have never came out. <laughs> like in the middle of COVID, if I would have said Scott Frost is going to get caught practicing. Uh, in uh, unmarked locations to not get caught during COVID, what would you think would have happened? Uh, say that again? If I would have told you in the middle of COVID when you and I used to have, like, texting bouts about whether there'd be a football season. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, back in, like, a year ago. I would have said, Scott Frost is somewhere right now practicing with his team at an unmarked location to stop me detected because of COVID protocol. I would say, so is everybody else. <laughs> but you, you wouldn't you do it? Like, I don't know if I'm alone on this island here. But, like, when Herm Edwards got busted for having staff having people on campus when they're not supposed to on visits. And I thought that that would be worse than handing over a bag of cash. Because we're talking about the safety and the well-being of student-athletes. Yeah. Right? Like, it's supposed to be a very big deal, right? 
and completely shoving aside the COVID protocol and still practicing or getting together or doing things that were not permitted as a uh, measure that was taken to protect the safety of these athletes, you would have thought in 2021 would have been the biggest no-no in the history of mankind. So, like, I'm kind of blown away by how nonchalantly this has been received. It's like, ah, well, we'll see if he's good enough this year to keep his job. It's like, what? He just literally practiced in the middle of COVID when people are afraid of people dying. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, why is it not a bigger deal? Uh, Probably just because they're not good. I don't know. The thing about it is, like, if it happened at a program that was good... The story probably never would have got out because I th- like somebody out in Nebraska probably wanted that to be known just in case they had to get rid of Scott Frost and didn't want to have to pay him money to leave. So if a team was good in doing it, I don't think it would have ever gotten out. If a team is bad in doing it, like I just don't think anybody cares. The joke is like, wow, you cheated and you stole this, but you're still this bad. I know it's just a little bit. It's just a different. It's just a different layer than just cheating, though. Because just cheating is just cheating. Like when you start talking about the well-being and safety of athletes. I think it kind of transcends that a little bit. No? Uh, yes and no. I mean, they played a whole season during a pandemic, so I, I yeah, think to be I outraged know. by that would be it would be a tad bit hypocritical. Like, my, my mom was afraid of me going to the grocery store while we were quarantining. So, like, it's just, like, it's hard for me to, you know, I, I just, like, try to put myself back into the shoes that we were in a year ago and try to remember what information received at that time would have been like and comparing it to how it's being received now and maybe the information that covid isn't killing as many people during the vaccine or whatever has changed and warped our minds but back when this stuff was actually happening this was a major danger to society or supposedly a major danger danger to society so i think we're kind of off track here a little bit but like it's like herm edwards had people come into campus he's still coaching and their recruiting class still sucked and Nebraska's having unauthorized practices, and they just lost to Illinois. And didn't just lose to Illinois. Got their ass kicked. Yeah, they got uh, they got pummeled pretty good in that game. I actually thought there was a chance that Scott Frost might have gotten fired after that game. He did not. He's coaching this week. But yeah, And everything that he look. said after the loss is worse than the loss. I don't know if oh, you've been yeah. paying attention, but he's like, don't lose faith. I hope this isn't the thing that makes us lose faith. And like I believe in my heart that we're, we will have a good team this year. Yeah, really? and he also like <laughs> basically said we don't know how to make in-game adjustments, which is a major factor when you're coaching. Football, yeah, they so. did the uh, they did the uh, the 2014 Virginia Ohio Tech. State. Yeah, like oh we <laughs> we had never heard of a bear defense before today, so uh, that's why we lost. Yeah, and that's it was a season opener. He was like, well, we weren't ready for their front. It's like, did you not practice like five of them? The defensive front that was uh, popularized by one of the most famous NFL teams ever like totally caught us off guard when we saw it on the field. <laughs> And we weren't able to adjust to it. Okay. We weren't able to adjust with our better players, yeah. All right, have fun Sorry, at Oklahoma guys. in a few weeks, pal. <laughs> we'll, get them, we'll get them next week. Yeah. Yeah, Nebraska plays Oklahoma in a few weeks, so that should be fun. Is this a good uh, time okay. to transition to the Big Ten West? Because Nebraska's not winning it. <laughs> Nebraska is not winning it. Um, I mean, I, I think, like, I, I'm on Wisconsin. I, I'll I'll entertain in Iowa, and that's probably all I'll, enter, all I'll entertain. But I also think that it's pr- pretty clear-cut on that side. Unless you think, like – and we'll talk about Minnesota later, unless you think like Minnesota's going to bounce back in a major way. But I, I have a hard time seeing it to that extent. So Can I run I a theory by you? Wisconsin. Yeah, go ahead. Somebody tweeted this at me and I think left a comment on the mailbag that I write, the recruiting mailbag. And he said, and this is back to Nebraska, but it's a Big Ten West section of the podcast, so it, it plays. They said, I think everybody is missing the point on or – the, or the – missing the point on the hire that should have been put in place at Nebraska. The Big Ten West has found the most success historically and currently 
with developmental coaches and programs. And if you look at the, at the programs that have made it out of the Big Ten West, Wisconsin recently, Minnesota recently, uh, Northwestern. Northwestern most recently, all these programs have recruited at an underwhelming level but have spotted the gems, have, have developed them, and made very good college football teams out of them. So it's just like, is that the answer at Nebraska? Is hiring Brett Bielema, a person mm-hmm. that did it at Wisconsin and now is going to try to do it at Illinois, the answer for Nebraska? Or is the hot shot coach who's supposedly a great recruiter the answer there? Because it's like they're recruiting top 25 classes, bud. But you watch that game on Saturday? I did watch that game once. Looked like Bishop Sycamore out there. <laughs> it, did. it did. Yeah. No, I, I I think I think they need to trend more in the direction of of the the Wisconsin Northwestern Iowa model for sure. Yeah. The other thing those programs have are like clear identities about who they want to be, and Nebraska like doesn't at all. Um, but I just don't. I don't think. I don't know. I guess you could hire Urban Meyer there, and 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 that would work out fine. But I think that's a hard place to recruit to, and you have to, have to, have to be a good developmental program at a place like Nebraska. And like clearly Scott Frost isn't that guy because that team has not gotten any better any year that he's been there. Um, and his quarterback has seemed to regress. Um, but that's the direction I would go for sure if I was making those decisions. Yeah, okay. So who's going to come out of the Big Ten West? Uh, Wisconsin's the easy pick. I think that you kind of – have to put your, your faith in the idea that Graham Mertz will play like an NFL quarterback or yeah. at least look the part as a young version of an NFL quarterback in year two of his of his career. Um, things will get back on track. They won't have a COVID meltdown in the middle of the season that kind of derailed them last year. Um, and they'll be really good. But I think once they get to the Big Ten Championship, the same thing will happen. And I think that it's the same thing that happened last year in the Big Ten Championship. It's like Ohio State had a Pretty crappy game in that game. Northwestern felt like it had a chance to win for most of the game, but like in reality, it really didn't. Yeah, I think I think that's right too. Um, they they the beginning of their schedule is tough. Like I said, they play Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan in the first four weeks, but they also play Iowa, Northwestern, and Nebraska all at home in their their uh, Big Ten West slate. So like it's pretty favorable for them to at least like win their division, even if they might stumble at some point in those first couple weeks. Um, and I do like I, Iowa. I'm a little a little curious about Iowa. I don't, like I think there's some belief that, like Spencer Petrus is like better than he was than he showed himself to be last year. Maybe, maybe that's true. Obviously, you have a good offensive line and a good running game there. They're always pretty solid on defense. So I don't know. I, I, I guess like whoever wins that Wisconsin Iowa game is the one who's going to go to Indianapolis and play Ohio State. But I just I don't think like Paul Christ is the world's greatest football coach, but I think he's pretty perfect for what Wisconsin needs him to be, and that's a guy who's going to win like ten games just about every year he's there. And I think that's what Wisconsin's going to be this year. Yeah. And he also wears sandals with white socks. That's right. Youth, uh, <laughs> youth, youth counselor, youth camp counselor, Paul Christ. Vacation Bible school teacher, Paul Christ. Yeah. He's just got those vibes. Not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. That's what he reminds me of. The juxtaposition of Urban Meyer and Paul Christ uh, sitting at the podium together were my favorite days of the season. For those couple of years. One time we were at Big Ten Media Day, or the Big Ten Championship Media Day, and Paul Christ came up and Landis tweeted, and next up to the podium is Youth Pastor <laughs> Paul Christ. Yeah, and that was one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen in my entire life. He's what, got those vibes, man. You want to know? Which what the, I think is why people like him. You know what is 
the funniest tweet of all time, and he kind of works for the Athletic, is Fo Pellini on September 3rd said, Cut it out. This isn't Bo Pelini Day. <laughs> Nine and three. <laughs> also, that is the goal now. So, you know, yeah, and add that onto the layer. So, I uh, think. Uh, Scott Frost would walk from Champaign to Lincoln if he could get a 9-3 season. That's right. Um, okay, so we're both on Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State winning in Indianapolis. Shocker. This is what you guys come here for, the hot takes. Yeah. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's do playoff picks. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to start listing teams, and you tell me to stop when we've exhausted all the realistic playoff options, okay? Okay. <laughs> all right, here we okay. go. <laughs> Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oregon, uh, A&M, LSU, Am I missing any others? Is there any other team I should be listening to? I feel like I listed like three too many. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, possible, they're all possible. Like, I think they're all with, like, especially the Pac 12 teams. It's like, is, like, Andy Staples thinks LSU is going to be awesome this year. And, like, LSU is a very talented roster. So, like, in the realm of possibility, I think there are probably 12 teams that have a, have a, a roster that's built well enough to be in the playoff. And it's like Iowa State has to beat Oklahoma twice in the same year. But also, I don't know if that's true. Maybe they lose the first time, still play in the Big 12 championship, and then win the second time, and then they're in. And it's like, I think Iowa State can make the make, could win the Big 12 this year. They've already beaten Oklahoma before. Could happen. Yeah. You know, like, I, don't, I think they, yeah, I think they could too. But, uh, and that's part of the reason why I don't have either of them in my playoff picks. Because I think they could end up canceling each other out. Yeah. They'll play, assuming that's who plays in the Big 12 championship, they're going to play each other twice in three weeks. Yeah. They play the second to last week of the regular season and then the Big 10 title game. Um, so I don't have any – I don't have either. I think both are capable of making it, and I don't have either of them making it. Um, 
I think you make a good point. Like, like whatever. Whoever, if someone wins the Pac-12 with one loss and like some weird stuff happens elsewhere, you kind of just like get in, not necessarily because you deserve it, because you're like one of the you know last teams standing. Um, Cincinnati with Indiana and Notre Dame on a schedule, like an undefeated Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I think I stop there. Yeah. I don't know. I know that like we were supposed to, you know, want to, um, you know, root and and have people feel good about the potential of these happening, but it's just it's just not in the cards, man. Yeah, I guess you'd have to. We'll make it a Notre thing Dame. if they're if they're winning. If some people want to try to tell you that Notre Dame should be considered a playoff contender, I will tell you that Notre Dame starting quarterback is Jack Cohn, and they shut the hell up. So. I'm not. I'm not including the Irish in the ten to, whatever, like eight to eleven teams that I think you could like realistically consider without somebody thinking you're a crazy person. I mean, like the thing about it too is just that like, there are twelve, eleven teams maybe that you know are in that position, but the realistic teams that we're going to be picking between it's probably six. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma. A and M, and one then, of the Pac like, twelve schools. Right, right. Um, okay, so let's let's give some picks. Give me, give me your final four in order. See, I'm trying to like load. Can I send you a link to your text, and can you see if this loads up so that I can give you the same picks that I gave before? Absolutely. Because like for whatever reason, my browser is not opening these. Isn't opening them. So, how about you go ahead and go first, and then see if you can actually read back to me what I what I wrote. Okay, so. My uh, four are, I have Clemson number one, Ohio State number two, Georgia three, and Alabama four. Uh, I have yours up here. Um, is this it, is your picks. Is it doing that thing where it's not like loading it all the way? No, so I have this question. What is your college football playoff field that isn't going to happen but could happen? Oh, that's not the right thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, I found the right one now. I'm so sorry. Uh, stay on hold. For whatever reason, now I'm not logged in, so I don't know if we're get, I don't know if we're getting to the point where we need to like edit this in. But I know here, I know for so sure it all in. that my um, pick is Georgia to win the national championship, and that's a pretty crazy thing to say because. Everybody likes to throw out the 1980 stuff, but you know I don't know how you don't pick a team with 19 five-star prospects to win it all. So I have yours here. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So you're uh, four. Well, of course they put you all the way down <laughs> at the bottom, so I got to keep scrolling. Uh, your four are Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Alabama, and then you have Georgia, as you said. Uh, winning the national title does not look like they made you pick uh, the runner-up. So you just have George. Do you have in your mind of those four teams that you'd have Georgia beating? Ohio State. Okay, so we both have Ohio State in the national championship. Go Bucks! Um, yeah, I think that Georgia. I think I've gone through most of the summer feeling like I was going to pick Georgia to beat Clemson, and like in the last week and a half, I've changed my mind. Why? Because they're missing uh, some guys. Well, that that certainly helped Georgia missing some guys. Um, I just think like when I look like 
JT Daniels, I guess, has the experience over DJ Uyunglele, but I think I'd rather have DJ. It's marginal. Yeah, I think it's marginal, and I think it's I think it's Clemson's defensive line. I just like they're so good up front that like I just think they're going to dominate that game and like kind of dominate the latter part of the season, maybe or the earlier part of the season where they're trying to figure some stuff out at other positions, particularly like everywhere on offense that's like not the offensive line because they have a couple starters back at least on the offensive line. But that defensive line with uh, was it Brian Brzee and Miles um, Powell? See the other yeah. one, yeah, pretty dirty. Pretty dirty defensive line, and and I like outside of quarterback, I think that's kind of what's most important when you're trying to size these kind of teams up is like who can just wreck a game up front, and I think Clemson's going to be wrecking a lot of games with that defensive line. And Georgia's offense hasn't necessarily been very explosive in the past, regardless yeah. of who the quarterback is. It's just like you know, and I understand that it's like kind of like one of those things where Georgia's a dog in that game, so like I think that the books agree with you. You think it's going to be a ten point game or something? No, I just thought like like on paper. I guess this is true with Clemson because of how you know they have they have witchcraft happening down there. But like the talent talent perspective, like it's fairly lopsided, isn't it? Between between Georgia and Clemson, yeah, Georgia dwarfs them. Yeah, total talent. Right. Yeah, but and that's and that's why I was like, I, I've kind of felt like Georgia was like finally going to put all put all of that together this year. Like actually, like maximize their talent, and part of that was like, well, maybe Alabama takes a step back, and they have a the quarterback returning, and it's like the more I thought about it, like I couldn't totally get on board with it. Um, maybe just because it's different, and we've not seen a whole lot of different happen in the sport over the last few years, uh, outside of LSU's like magic year. But um, I don't, I don't think like Georgia. The more I think about them, like it has that kind of year in them. They're gonna be very good. Like I have them in the playoff. Um, but I don't think they're going to win the national title, and I don't think they're going to be Clemson. I think Clemson's going to beat Georgia and run the table and be number one. I don't even have Clemson in my Final Four. Did you notice that? I did notice that, yeah. And I think – so then who did you leave out? Who are yours again? My four are in order Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. Okay, so you, you kept the ACC in and left the Big 12 out. I put the Big 12 in and, le- and left the ACC out. Because yeah. I think that there's a chance that Clemson takes a step back this year, which you've said before, and I think. Like, but now that some I'm looking, reasoning there. But now that I'm looking at the t- like, because I've made all these picks before the two four seven composite rankings came out, and Clemson's fourth, and it's just like uh, I don't know about that, you know. Yeah. So it's just right. like, you know, I'm, I'm, they the thing that Clemson has always had when they haven't had a talent advantage is they've had a stark advantage at the quarterback position. In 2016 and in 2018, between Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, they had a quarterback advantage in every game that they played. And if you've noticed, and this is probably worth a story, maybe even on my end, but every single blue-chip team now that they are competing against is also recruiting the quarterback position at a very proficient level. Mm -hmm. It's like you have Georgia with back-to-back five-star prospects. Ohio State's quarterback room goes without saying. Alabama with the Bryce Young situation. Like, there are all these quarterbacks who are going, and Clemson's still getting theirs. They've got Cade Klubnick in the 2022 class. they got DJ right now. But you're not going into games thinking like, oh, my God, it's it's quarterback without even a question. It's like last year Clemson had a quarterback advantage and they got their ass kicked because the quarterback advantage really wasn't that big on the field that day. In fact, you can yep. make a case that, that Justin Fields had a better game than Trevor Lawrence. So... To me, I'm like wondering if 
their lack of overall talent that is a distant fourth but, but behind the top three teams, and the fact that they don't have that, like you said earlier in the show, that that marginalizing, or what is it, the, the equalizer at quarterback that they used to have in the past now that Bryce Young is playing at Alabama and JT Daniels is playing at Georgia and a five-star prospect or a fringe five-star prospect like C.J. Stroud is playing at Ohio State. It's just like they're all good now. Mm-hmm. you know. And like when I picked Georgia, I thought there is no way Alabama is going to be as stacked as they were last year after having the most insane team of all time and having lost, what, six first-round picks? Yep. They're the most talented team in college football again, so now I feel like an asshole. <laughs> but it's like if you look at Georgia's schedule – they play Clemson in week one, which doesn't matter as long as it's not a blowout. Right. They don't play Alabama this year. And their schedule sets up perfectly for a team that should be at least in the big, in the SEC championship game. So, like, UAB, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern, Georgia Tech. How many losses are on that schedule? Two? Two maybe, but I think my, my my guess, my logic in picking what I picked was Georgia loses to Clemson, doesn't lose again, beats Alabama in the, in the SEC championship to get the three seed, and then loses to Ohio State. Listen, close. buddy, I think if Clemson wins it all, or I mean uh, Clemson beats Georgia in a close game in week one and then runs the table, and then Georgia runs the table in the SEC and beats Bama, they would not be number one. You think I think that Georgia beating Bama at the end of the year would catapult them into the number one spot, even with the head-to-head loss to Clemson. Over a team, yeah, that's interesting. I don't think so, but that's not really the, worth arguing about. I know it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> They're both in. I'm just saying, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. juice of beating Alabama in November is just like whoa. It's like yeah. that galaxy, like whoa. Um, I think uh, I think Clemson and Ohio State are both going to be undefeated. And then Georgia and Bama will each have one more. Georgia and Bama will each have one more. See, I, I am buying into the Oklahoma hype this year. I like Oklahoma a lot. Apparently um, they have a really nasty defensive line. Yeah, and I actually do think, like, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of Ohio State fans who don't think very highly of Alex Grinch. Um, I, I kind of like him still. I don't Like, he didn't do a good job here, and it was a weird situation that I don't think he handled very well. But I still think he's a good defensive coordinator. And also at and, the beginning of last year, Oklahoma's defense was awful. Yeah, when they lost think, two games in a row, right? Yeah, I th- I think there is there has been like tangible defensive improvement there with Alex Grinch taking over, and we know what they're going to be offensively. Um, I just like my reason for not having them in is because I think that I, at the end of the year, them and Iowa State are going to split and like cancel each other out. But if you're going to tell me like you think Oklahoma is going to run the table and be the number one seed, I like okay, I don't think that's crazy. What if Oklahoma runs the table? Yeah, I mean, you just have you have six teams that you have to figure out four spots for, and whichever four you pick, it's like okay, you picked one of the yeah. four teams. That's awesome! Like, congratulations. It's not like anybody's picking like Arizona State to come out of the shoot and win the Pac-12 and go to the, you know what I mean? Like, there's no like sexy out of nowhere pick to make the playoff. It's just a matter of which teams that are of the six best of best are going to make it through, which I don't find to be a very particularly interesting discussion, to be honest. Which really no, no, sucks because, way. like, I think that Ohio State's always a part of that discussion. Ohio State just has the least uh, path to resistance, in my opinion. Uh, I would say Clemson does most years, but they play Georgia this year, so that's something. Yes. Um, like, I guess Clemson does. It's like, would you take one game against Georgia in the non-conference that doesn't eliminate you, or would you take playing Penn State, Michigan, potentially Wisconsin? It's like, also, North Carolina's a top-ten team this year. They've got a ton of talent. 
that they didn't have in the previous years, and I know it's like hard to get on their bandwagon, but like North Carolina's over under on wins this year's ten, so that might be a tough game for them to play in the ACC championship when that game comes. Like the 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 anticipation is that North Carolina is going to be awesome this year. I'm a little skeptical of that, but I get I get why they would be. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I I haven't gotten macked like you have. I mean, I sat in the man's office for an hour, and then I talked to him on the phone again a few days ago, and, like, the the guy's just an angel. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know that I think that they're going to be a a national championship contender, but if you go look at the classes they're putting together, they've had three five-star prospects in the last three classes and a boatload of other top 150 players because North Carolina is a very sneaky good state. Uh, North Carolina has a tricky opener against Virginia Tech, and I believe they play Notre Dame. But neither only one of those games matters in the, the conference race. Like I could see a close game between North Carolina and Clemson in an ACC championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because they have I mean, Sam Howell. Like you could make the case that North Howell. Carolina's yeah. got a better quarterback. You certainly could. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, they lost both their running backs. I, I have no idea what else. And uh, one of their receivers in Deami Brown. I have and no Tony idea Grimes what. is supposed to be awesome this year too. And yeah, Keyshawn yeah. Silver, a five-star defensive end, that's going to be playing immediately. Like they've got some pieces there. They've definitely, like, uh, he has upgraded the talent level there in a relatively short amount of time, which has been impressive. I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, yeah. They almost beat he, Clemson, was it last year or two years ago? We were in a stadium, so it was two years ago. Two years ago, right. Um, so I could see it. I could see it, I guess. Um, we were watching not, it on the screen. I think we were at Nebraska. That is right. We were at Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then uh, Ohio State won by 90. <clears throat> I remember the buffet. That's why. Yeah. The buffet was good. Yeah, All right, Nebraska's got a to... top ten buffet in college football. They do. That people don't talk about that enough, actually. <laughs> and they've got the post game pie there too. They do. The media spread at, at Nebraska is pretty good. If they put more effort into their, put that kind of effort into their football program, they it's could like, be six. It's like hometown buffet back there. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, my title game, by the way, is uh, is Clemson over Ohio State. Please send all hate mail to Ari Wasserman. Uh, let's do uh, our picks for the Minnesota game and get out of here. Uh, the spread from our friends at BetMGM is minus fourteen. Although I think that has Tightened a little bit. It's 14 again. Is it back up to 14? People love betting Ohio State right before the game starts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota 3 and 4 last year, but they were good two years ago, 11 and 2. Really good season two years ago. What are you thinking on this game? I don't know. (laughs) 14, like the more I thought about it, like 14 is like 14 is a good number. Yeah, I think that I'm just going to pick 42 to 28. Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that I think that it'll be around the number. I think it'll be around the number too. My pick is forty-one twenty-four Ohio State. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious if it's going to be like we've seen sometimes before where Ohio State has played like a decent team to start the year and not gotten out of the gate all that hot, and then like at halftime they're either trailing or it's way closer than you think it would be. Um, I think this game could certainly play out similarly, and then Ohio State just out-talents Minnesota in the fourth quarter because that's what Ohio State does. So you're saying this is a wait till a halftime spread type of game? Yeah, yeah, it feels that way. I think that's. I think there there could be uh, some some opportunity to make some funds there playing playing that second half line when that game's tight going to the halftime. Everyone's like, oh, here we go, Buckeyes are going to lose, and then they will not. Um, I I don't think they're going to sweat too much or really at all. It might rain, which is kind of weird, but I think they'll be fine. Last the, time they were there, there was a blizzard, and they won. The um, what kind of blizzard? Like uh, Dairy Cookie Queen or blizzard? Oh, yeah, yeah. Blizzard. I remember when we went there. Oh, God, that it's like a li- another lifetime ago, man. Um, Twenty fourteen. I don't think that Ohio State's going to sweat. I just don't know that I would lay points here. 
It's just like it's yeah. their first game. It's a Big Ten opponent. A lot, a lot of new stuff. Like, I don't know. I could see. I also could see like Ohio State winning forty-two to seventeen, and then giving up ten points at the end of the game, and like winning forty-two to twenty-seven or something, and or forty-two twenty-eight or forty-two to thirty-one. I don't know. Like, and like get backdoored. Like, I, I don't. Minnesota is probably going to be super hyped for this too. For sure. So yeah. like, last year was a bad year. COVID, row the boat. I mean, I have a they lot of respect. Everybody back. Everybody's they're, back they're except old, Bateman. Yeah. Like they they have some guys. And I don't want to turn this into Ohio State's going to roll ass every week podcast. I don't know that. I think this is a very good number, and I don't know which way I would lean. So I'm just going to say 42 to 28. Yeah, a 41-24. Um, I do think I, I do think in the end Ohio State's going to be able to just kind of like run it down Minnesota's throat. Um, but like I'm excited, I, I, and Minnesota's defense like was not particularly good uh, last year and didn't have much to speak of. I don't think they're going to be particularly good this year. But I do think it could be a nice opportunity to learn a decent amount about where Ohio State's defense is right now. Landis, um, yeah. Call Leah. Mm-hmm. Go cover Minnesota mm-hmm. Thursday night. Change your flight from back to Columbus on Friday. Fly to Dallas. Mm-hmm. And let's watch all these awesome games together on Saturday. <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> yeah, we, we got Clemson, Georgia on Saturday. You know, we got we got some bangers. I, I'm just saying, we'll it take you to Heim. We'll get you to some some pork pork barbecue shoulder. You got his place to stay. It's for the price of on the house. And let's just ride as, this thing. Uh, as lovely as that sounds, I don't think I'd be able to do that because of the way we book our flights at the Athletic. I can't change it myself. Well, you, you could look into it. If it's I gotta possible. get on the horn with somebody in Australia to figure yeah. that out. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a small price to pay to to, to, right. to investigate. Yeah, Man, Saturday's awesome. Yeah, like the Saturday slate. The whole I love the first weekend of the college football season. It's like the yeah. perfect sports weekend. Yeah, and I also like have spent the last decade of my life watching every game with you for the most part because we're either yeah. at the game together or at the restaurant watching the good games after, and it's just like. Come lay on the couch, man. <laughs> maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll, I'll cancel my flight and I'll drive. Yeah, and then I'll I'll take you to the JFK yeah. sites. It'll be the best weekend ever. <laughs> we got a baby coming in three weeks, man. Let's pounce. Yeah. All right. I'll look at I'll look into it. I'll call my people. You call your people. Okay. Something okay. Up. And All but right. when you're out there, let us know what you eat in Bemidji. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so we both we're, we're both on the Buckeyes, right around the number. I would your advice be to like. Just stay away from it. And I would wait till the halftime spread. Wait till the halftime number. I think yeah. I think that's sound advice too. Okay, so uh, we're gonna do a pod on. Uh, f- we're gonna record on Friday morning when it goes up exactly. I'm not sure, but we're gonna re- record like basically right after the game, um, because I think we're kind of sick of t- talking about like what might happen this year. <laughs> we could finally watch a game on Thursday night and I talk about what did happen and what we think that'll mean for the rest of the year. So uh, we'll catch you guys then. Thank you so much for listening to 4 to 6 with A and B. Again, subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Gets you 50% off an annual subscription. We'll talk to you guys later this week.